0: Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I don't think I have any twitches. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Matchstick Men, which released in 2003. Based on the book by Eric Garcia, written by Nicholas Griffin and Ted Griffin, and directed by Ridley Scott. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Nicolas Cage's
1: character, Roy. He's a con man who is partnered up with his buddy, Frank, played by Sam Rockwell. They are about to hit a really big score, and as Roy gets all the pieces into place, he's suddenly confronted by his daughter, Angela, played by Alison Lohman, who turns up and possibly might wreck the plan. For some people, money is... I'm going to use a foreign film without subtitles.
0: <laughs> so this was originally going to be a Steven Spielberg film. Really? Uh, but uh, Spielberg was involved in the earliest part of production, but uh, eventually he bowed out and went on to go and do Catch Me If You Can. Oh, nice. And so Ridley Scott ske- oh, yeah. stepped into production uh, with this one. And I was like, honestly, quite surprised that this is a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, because yeah. Looking at it, it's actually quite a small movie compared to sort of the scale that that Ridley Scott usually works in. Yeah, and I also have to say, I'd never heard of this film when it when it came out. No, nope. I've heard nobody ever talk about this film in the twenty odd years it has been out. Yeah, it just completely went under the radar, which is also a surprise because it's Nicolas Cage and <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Well. I feel that's like a combination of what happens to those films. I mean,
1: like Nicolas Cage movies have that effect. They always kind of slip under the radar. Like, there's not many. That's well,
0: because, because there's so many of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, like I'm a big fan of Flight, uh, Wings of the Apache. You know, where he's in the helicopter, and people are like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's basically Top Gun, but with helicopters." Right. You know, and Sam Rockwell. Like, there's not many people who've seen Moon. Like, Shame. Moon is amazing, but when you say, "Have you ever seen Moon?" They're like. What's that? And it's like, oh, it's a Sam Rockwell movie. You know. I'm sure
0: they've all seen The Green
1: Mile or Galaxy Quest. Oh, um, Yeah, but he's a background character. knows. he's not like the lead. Like, confession... Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Wait, if you want to really go about Confessions of a Dangerous oh, Mind, yes. that's hell a yes. classic Sam Rockwell movie. But yeah, like same with, um, like we said with the director, I'd never realised it was a Ridley Scott movie. Right. Like of all the movies we can talk about Ridley Scott, Matchstick Man never really comes up in the conversation. And I was good. I was really good. I didn't wiki it. What? Yeah, I can, I can you I, just... I was ready and I was like, I'll write my notes, but I'm not gonna wiki it, and so I went in completely fresh and man the music caught me off guard at the start. You know, when it just went one, two, three, and then it just kind of kicks in, and we start to get into the house of Roy and then his day of what he does and does Nicholas Cage turn into the character or does he just make the character Nicolas Cage?
0: So did you Wikipedia after you watched it? Or did you just not wiki it at all? I just didn't wiki at all. Oh.
1: Wow. Like the, <laughs> what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, does Nicolas Cage become the character? Or does he just make the character Nicolas Cage? Because... Well, I honestly felt
0: like the character he plays in this Roy is actually... You know, they... I think they got into the mindset of this character. Because this is like a character study. It's a very personal film. It's yeah. a film about relationships. Even though it is a heist movie. And so I really do think that this uh, side of Nicolas Cage. Or the role that he's playing here. Ticks in awe, yeah. That does make him quite unique. And even from like the costume department. The way that they dress Roy. When he puts on this persona. When he goes to each of his jobs. Like that's how we introduce to him. Yeah. But we know something's quite... Off right away when we get the weird edit when the doors open and everything seems to go in fast or slow motion or with the rapid edits. Yeah, so we're like not quite sure what's what's wrong with him until we spend time with him at home.
1: Yeah, man, watching him do that thing with the door, you know, and then watching him wash his hands and get everything, and he takes the tuna tin can. Everything is meticulous. Everything is like it's very OCD, isn't it? Yeah, but you 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 know that works. Like like I'm. I'm not OCD-ish, but, like, you put things in order, things run smoothly. And with the job that he does, which, you know, isn't really a job, he cons people out of money. And that's when you get Sam Rockwell, who, oh, motherfucker, he's cool. (laughs) <laughs> he's so fucking cool Sam Rockwell can be so fucking cool sometimes he
0: is he is amazing at playing sleazeball characters oh god but yeah. he has such good charisma as yeah. well though that you kind of get taken by him and then yeah but you, you just don't ever underestimate him And Gentleman Broncos that's an
1: amazing Sam Rockwell
0: movie oh no <laughs> he's amazing in it <laughs> uh, but yeah like their first sequence where they're they're, they're talking to this woman and they're just like oh how much did you give and yeah. How how much did you basically explain to her that it was you, you were a victim of fraud um, and they're like, there's very little we can do because you ended up going through a postal service. Oh,
1: the, the, the cons amazing because they've called the woman. Well, Sam Rockwell's called her and like tried to sell her this water filter for like three hundred dollars or something, which he, he bought for like 50. And so she's supposed to give a check. But they need the cheque to be signed off in the bank. So that the two of them turn up at this woman's house and while her husband's just annoyed as hell, Nicolas Cage obviously sits there with Sam Rockwell convincing the, this husband and wife that, you know, they're agents of trade and if they can, you know, if they can get the sign off on the cheque, they can capture the guys when they go to cash it in at a bank. But they're going to fucking cash in, aren't they? They're going to keep the money. And when Sam Rockwell opens up that door, or the woman opens up the door to let the dog out, yeah. everything outside just kind of blinds or
0: affects Nicolas
1: Cage's OCD. The flies everywhere, the sunlight in his eye, you know, and and, and Sam Rockwell's just like, did you take your pills? Did you take your pills? <laughs> Have you been taking your pills? <laughs>
0: Which leads to uh, then, yeah, seeing the rest of his tics at home when uh, he gets desperate. Yeah. He ends up trying to call his doctor and uh, he gets a message eventually that the doctor has left town. Yeah. Like, gone to a different state entirely. And uh, he, ends up, he ends up having to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. And the psychiatrist is like, okay, settle down. Just explain what it was you've been taking. And he's like, oh, actually, I actually happen to have these. Just take these. These will be fine for you. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, okay. And, and we do see, uh, you know, the difference in him. But it's also interesting because we do also follow him like through his daily routines as well, from from his shopping routine, yeah, uh, to his home life, and uh, we realise yeah, like he's he's got all of this money in this dog, yeah, yeah, and uh, but we do realise that he, he's a con artist, he's and he's a piece of shit, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yet somehow the film lets you in into his world and realise we start actually. Uh, it's, well, it's the, it's the involvement with
1: Angela, isn't it? You know, once we, we, we realise he's got, like, a million dollars in the bank, you know, he's been saving up all his money, but while he's talking to the psychiatrist, he explains, like, he had a wife, she was pregnant, she walked out on him, and, you know, he hasn't spoken to her in, like, 14 years. So he gets the doctor to call the wife and sets up the arrangement so that he can meet his daughter Angela, you know, played by Alison Lohman, who, like... I didn't initially recognize until obviously I wiki'd her and realized that she was the the
0: biggest film. She did was drag me to hell about six years from this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: it's just an awesome horror movie. Um,
0: now she was actually uh, twenty-three years old uh, when she was making this, but she turned up into the audition, sort yeah. of dressed down uh, okay. as a teenager, and put basically was in character. Yeah. And Ridley Scott was so convinced he thought that she was fourteen. Oh. You know, yeah. Yeah. No idea that that she was about to turn twenty-four. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she obviously got the role, and she, you believe it. She actually sells it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Especially going up against Nicolas Cage. You know, this whole first meeting sequence where he's just been waiting in the car. Panicking. Yeah. Chain smoking. Chain smoke. Oh, my that God. That awkward moment where he waves to two random girls. If you
1: need any reason never to smoke, watch Nicolas Cage in this. Because, right. Jesus, his throat must have been caned. And when he sees Angela and the two of them just meet, you know, her smile. They get on really, really well. And they go for food and, they're, you know, they're talking over her eating this burger. And he's just, you know, he's the doting dad. You know, it's the first time he's ever seen his daughter in his whole entire life. Um, but once he's taken her home, you know, he he gets involved back with Frank in this long con. You know, he's always said, I hate long cons are just like hitting them, taking the money and getting out fast. But now he's got a real reason to make
0: it make a bit of money and like do something good. Right, right, uh, but that's it. this. This film really it sets it up like it's going to be a heist movie. We're going to be having this insight into these lives of these two that are in it. But then the film sort of changes gear, and now it becomes like, oh, I've got a daughter that I never knew I had that's a teenager, and I've got these weird eccentric kind of uh, behaviors. Yeah. I'm doing something shady. Uh, and so it's it becomes a different type of film where he's now sort of adopting this child who who eventually just turns up at his house like, yeah, I've kind of just left mum. Like, she's got a new boyfriend yeah. arguing and so she ends up staying. But it's and the... it becomes a, a, a relationship about him with his now estranged daughter sort of yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. build that relationship up. Well, it's when he, like, well, it's he goes back to the psychiatrist again and he's just like, well, I,
1: need, I need some help because she's come into my life. And so the psychiatrist is helping him try to obviously, you know, get into a space where having her in the home is a good thing but then it's obviously contributed with the fact that he's got to invite her and get her to meet frank as well because like she's asking questions now who's this guy what's he doing frank's coming over once why aren't you at work you know we should be doing this con and so like looking back on the movie now i start to think ah i see now who's pushing the buttons here and there arranging you know roy into a position so that they can pull this con on chuck played by bruce mcgill who's just an awesome actor Uh, like i did like it when they went to that Gentlemen's Club—that was quite a cool scene. or oh, the strip club. Oh, well, the actress on that pole was pretty good back acting. I mean, Nick—I don't think Nicolas Cage could do that. Um, <laughs> no, no.
0: But they, that, that's it. They play off this whole thing because he has the—it's the drama of it all. The setup, isn't yeah. it? Where it's like, make some noise, get his attention, make it look like we're doing some business. Yeah. Get him to come over. Tell him to go away. You like bait and hook and reel yeah. him in. Yeah. And uh, he says like, yeah, we'll leave him a couple of days. You know, we'll let him stew and on his own greed. Yeah. And then they keep p- making. This comments like he doesn't tip anybody, so just so they feel justified that in the like... fact that they're going to rip him off. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we do have that scene where where Roy's talking to the psychiatrist and he's just like, you know, he's just like, no, I'm, I mean, I do deal with antiques. You know, yeah. the psychiatrist eventually is just like, look, man, that stool. Yeah, like it. Like so many customers have mentioned about the antiquity of this stool, and you haven't said shit about it. Yeah, I know you're a criminal. And yeah. He's just like, well, yeah, okay. See, that's actually a, big of a, a bit of a giveaway there that obviously, like, the psychiatrist
1: is understanding Roy more than Roy understands himself. Oh, yeah. But Roy's not picking up on it because he's all already distracted by the Angela situation and trying to balance this con on the side. Like, I kept sitting there thinking, this movie reminded me of uh, getting even with Dad, right. with Ted Danson and Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> where Ted Danson is a con man and Macaulay Culkin comes into his life as well. But it's it's weird how like we we said this before. We turned the camera on. If you took away like the cool kooky fifties music that goes along with friend Roy's lifestyle, and like it would just be a complete serious drama. You hate the characters, they're complete assholes, and you really want something bad happen to them. But because of the quirkiness of like Nicolas Cage and his tics, and, and how like positive Angela can be in his
0: life when they're together, father and daughter, that you're like, oh yeah, I'm really yeah. happy these... There's some, some great bonding moments yeah. where he's just like, I'm going to cook you spaghetti, and it's going to have these herbs and things <laughs> in it. And she's looking at it like, you want me to eat this? Yeah. And then you know, He's next never scene, seen the next scene, the right? pizza delivery guy turns up, and they're eating pizza, or they end up going out, and they end up dancing, yeah. and he ends up giving her the flower at the Mexican restaurant. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, you're like they're really bonding, they're really caring, like, uh, and and you believe it, like their performances are really selling you on this building relationship and it's really sweet it balances it with the arguments as well you know because he, he gets angry at her a few times you know he
1: shouts at her when she comes back late and he d- doesn't know where she uh, where she's been you know he shouts at her in the car and he tells her he's just he wants her out of his life and he doesn't want her anywhere near him because obviously he's going on to this con like when they go on the lottery con yeah that was awesome well, yeah. you know, seeing Nicholas Cage in his glasses, reading the newspaper like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I'm just sat here listening. But they've 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 taken this lottery uh, number and uh, lottery ticket and they've rubbed off the number and then they've dropped in the laundrette and the mum from Donnie Darko's come along. And... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, it's because Roy's been kind of shoehorned into teaching his daughter now the tricks of his trade. And so they end up conning this woman into drawing out money from the bank to split this winning lottery ticket with Angela. And Angela gets in the car like, wow, so easy. I'm so natural at this. This is great. And Roy's just like, yes, but what kind of dad would I be if I let you get away with it now take that money and now go give it back to the nice lady that you just ripped off yeah and yeah again more friction there because she's just like i want to learn this i want to be like you and she's like no you can't be like this what i'm doing is wrong yeah back to the psychiatrist like oh my god i've just realized i'm a bad person (laughs) and i'm teaching my daughter these horrible things help me dog yeah
1: you regret it exposing her to that her seeing that side of you
0: well you know it was a little it was just it made me feel a little you know i was a little i really liked it I really did. It was the best time we've had together.
1: And I'm still going on this big con against, <laughs> you know, Bruce McGill with my with my partner, which when they set that up, maybe like maybe I've watched Ocean's 11 and 12 and 13 a few too many times. But that's when I kind of noticed a, a twist on Sam Rockwell. You know, like they they'd set up this whole plan where they were going to get um, Chuck to t- uh, take out what eighty thousand dollars, and he's going to trade his money with? Oh well, no, he yeah he, he trades eighty thousand pounds with um with Nicolas Cage, and then he's going to convert it back, which means he gets extra money back in, in American dollars. But they're actually going to steal all the money and rip him off at this airport, and. When Sam Rockwell calls up and says, like, look, we have to do it today, you know, we were going to have a couple of days to get ready, but we don't, we've got to do it today. It immediately puts Roy on edge, and he has to race over there, and he doesn't know what to do, because he's already out on a date with Angela, and... Angela, he doesn't want to involve her anymore. Yeah, because obviously she'll probably, you know, get arrested or something if if anything goes wrong. And... Knowing that she had to go with him and that this con is going to happen, I sat there and I was just like, mm, okay, I'm going to be watching you a little bit more, Frank, because I just feel like everything is racing on Roy, pulling this off. But he looks like he's gonna explode, right? You know, <laughs>
0: because he he struggles to get into character. Yeah, because he he would rather go through his routine, go through all of his setups, mm. and uh, and get the right suit on, the right glasses on, get into character. He can't just switch gears. Yeah. So there's a few moments where he ends up going to the bank, into the cashier, and get snappy with her, or he's not delivering the his his routine the same way. Yeah. And you know the other you know they're they're extras they're, they're part of the scene but they are also like he's a bit odd today. It's, yeah. Uh, well, he's got a weird daughter with him today. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the bank lady's like, would you like a booth? I don't want a booth. It's like, right. Calm down. Yeah, but you know she asks him every time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, having that sudden outburst is so out of character and that's how, obviously, more disheveled as Roy, you know, Nicolas Cage becomes throughout the film and that moment where he's walking up to them and they both sat there and he explicitly said yeah. make sure he sat there not facing the bar yeah it's it's important and he gets there and he realizes he's in the wrong seat but he immediately just starts playing up a back injury and he's like oh do you mind switching seats yeah to me? and yeah it just sets it up really really well and the whole the whole you know, swapping of briefcases is over really quick, and he's like, Well, how do we do this? And he's like, Well, you just shake my hand and off you go. Yeah, like Angela plays her part
1: as well. She distracts Chuck so that they can actually get another briefcase, and so Chuck is walking away with nothing, and they're walking away with all the money. But then when they get into the car,
0: Chuck is there. He chases them all the way to the gates, and that's where I was just like, Okay, yes. It's a really intense scene because. Yeah. I mean, Angela's screaming, her hair's being pulled, she's being grabbed through the window. Yeah. It's just like it's all gone wrong. Like all this, like familial kind of relationship building has just been destroyed with this botched heist, essentially. Yeah, because yeah, he doesn't... but they do manage to drive away. Yeah, he doesn't
1: want to get his daughter hurt or arrested or anything, and obviously he doesn't want to go to jail either. But like, did you think it was too long? As at one point, no. Yeah, because once they got um, to the point where they're, you know, they park up on this really nice spot, and Sam Rockwell's just like, okay, right, just give me the money, I don't know what happened, you were supposed to walk him to the plane, and he's like, oh, well, your daughter, she's probably got, like, a criminal record, and then, obviously, Roy's now upset at Angela, because, obviously, if she's been spotted on the airport cameras, then they're all in trouble, but that was the point, I was just like, man, how long have we got to go, and that's when I clicked, and I think we were just over the hour mark, and I another 56 minutes to go and i thought jesus how much more can you fit into this story with these characters like have they pulled off this con you know when he throws the money to sam rockwell and he's just like yeah i'll call you in a couple of days and that's when i thought ah he's gonna take all the money and he's fucked off now right
0: but, but he doesn't he doesn't yeah. he turns back up again and uh they know uh, they have the the drink and they're just like you know what i'm out I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to go for custody of my daughter. I'm yeah. going to get a lawyer. So I'm out and this is our toast. This is our goodbye. Yeah, because we have this whole section, don't we? Where like, he
1: he drops Angela home and he screams that he doesn't want her in his life because she almost ruined this thing. Um, but then she obviously fucking, uh, Alison Lohman cries her eyes out in front of him, which made my heart break. And so he takes her back and he talks about getting custody rights, what he needs to get, you know, he needs to be straight and he needs to do all this, this paperwork. She's thanking him and you're really happy for them. So when he gives the money to Sam Rockwell and says, yeah, you know, get out of here, um, you know, go off with your life. You're like, OK, then now it's the end. But it's not. They're going to continue, they're going to go off for, like you said, Mexican meal, they're going to enjoy being father and daughter, and they come back late to the house, and in the house is Chuck with Frank, who is, well, he looked heavily beaten up, but I did kind of look at his face and go, "Mm, you should be more injured, why is there not more bodyguards, you know, is, is Chuck
0: connected, what is this, why has he got a gun? Well, there is, in. if you listen to the commentary, it's explained that there is sort of a subtle hint. Um, well, it's not very subtle. We see characters smoking in this film all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently the only characters in this film that do smoke are the scam artists, the con artists. Yes, yes. I Roy smokes. Yes. Frank smokes. Yes. Chuck smokes. And Angela smokes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> this scene plays out where uh, Angela ends up being told to go and get the money out of the dog because yes. he'll take, Frank will take whatever money they've got at this moment. Uh, but Angela comes out with the gun and plays it really well and ends up shooting Chuck. Yeah. And uh, Chuck dies there. But did we Well, we go with We're what Frank, Frank says. That he's not going to make it. Yeah. And then we see... We cut outside and he's just like, take her away. Take her away. Hotel. Get to this motel. Yeah. I'll deal with the body. And or I know. I was like, oh, really, Roy? You know,
1: like, this is a lot of responsibility on your buddy's shoulders that I'm really starting to not... I'm not wholly convinced it's on your side. Here's your daughter. Here's the cash. Get out of here. And he walks into the house. And I didn't see who knocked him out. No. I thought it was Chuck. But then we are told in the next sequence, when Roy wakes up in the hospital bed with concussion, that actually Chuck, uh, you know, died in front of the house. And I was like, oh, right. So he would knocked out Roy, stumbled outside the house, fallen over, dead. Police have been called. Detectives come. They've raced... Um, Roy to the hospital, and they're wanting to know where Frank is, they want to know where Angela is. You know, they said know about got a the tiny money. fingerprint on the gun, you, they know it wasn't Roy who
0: pulled the trigger. Yes,
1: yes, and even though Roy's going to go to prison and take the blame for the death of Chuck, it's actually going to fall on Angela, and as soon as they find her, you know, and so you. I did, yeah. totally feel at this point. Oh my god, Dad needs to protect his daughter. I, I'm fully behind him. And but he he refuses to talk to the cops. He was like, "I want yeah. my
0: doctor. I want my psychiatrist." I want to talk to my psychiatrist. All right, yeah. My
1: <laughs> my my heart was bleeding at this point because I was feeling, I felt, I knew what was coming next. Yeah, because the psychiatrist turns up, and they tell the cop to go outside. You know, he's going to confess some stuff to him, and he gives him his safety deposit code. So that Angela, who early in the movie had been signed as a co-signature co-sign- for the safety deposit box box could go in there and get stuff out. So Chuck or Frank or whoever didn't get his money. And then it cuts where Nicolas Cage kind of wakes up. There's a shot, I remember you saying now about smoke and I saw the smoke ring. While the cops are looking at the security camera. Yeah. And I felt that was Frank.
0: Probably was. Yeah. I felt
1: that was Frank in the background. And. Because I think we see Sam Rockwell earlier in the movie. Actually smoking and blowing the smoke ring. And so then when Nicolas Cage wakes up. He stumbles out of his bed. He's not hearing any doctors. He opens the door. He realises he's just in a set. Yeah. Goes out onto the rooftop of what I think was a, a, a factory or a
0: car park. (laughs) <laughs> he's completely bamboozled yeah he's like oh. what, what What? has happened and yeah yeah he ends up going uh, going back and uh, goes back to his bank goes in there and he just very nervously opens up the oh. tin <laughs> and there's just a few dollars that falls over in there he ends up going home and opening up the his dog, dog and yeah. there's a note in there. "Dear yeah, Roy, dear Roy, we fucked you good and proper. <laughs> no <laughs> hard feelings, but you always said like, you know, uh, live for the big job yeah. and never trust and all of this stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, 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 what a, what a, and Frank, this is you bastard. So Frank ends up going to his his ex wife, and he's knocking on her door, and he's just like, look, where's our daughter? She's like, what? I don't have a daughter. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Everyone and he's like, what? Like,
0: you, you? when we split up, you were pregnant. And she's like, yeah, I lost it. I lost it. And he's and he, he he just gone. He just starts laughing maniacally. Because yeah. he's just gone. Like, the realization of how much he's been played she in such him, a way.
1: Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: That... <laughs> because a part of me was
1: just like, all he's really lost at this moment is money. You know, and he's so good as a con artist, he could probably make it back. Like, he never really had a daughter. If anything, he's lost a relationship. You know, he's lost his best friend, who really was a complete asshole anyway. And so, good riddance to bad rubbish, you know. Like, even if they, even if the police came to him and were talking to him about any of the situation, none of it's, yeah, you know, like, attached to him. So, he's actually gotten off really lightly. And then it says one year later, and I'm like, "Whoa, movie! We're Whoa. still going."
0: Well, that's it. the the The, the book ends there. Oh, really? Uh, and they almost removed this from the screenplay. Wow! They were almost just like, "No, we can't have this big heist, this big, you know, leaving our main protagonist, yeah. penniless at the end of the film." They were like, "No, nah, this isn't going to fly. We need to, we need to do something different because that's a bad ending." That's so what, yeah, but I Ridley gone Scott was the one who went. How about uh, we keep the heist, we keep that ending, but we also do a one year later and sort of wrap everything up here. Yeah. Um, and I think it really kind it, of works because we do need some redemption and some kind of things are going to be okay for Roy, um, yeah, despite yeah. having you know been on this journey with him, where you you know you end up adopting angela with him yeah and then going through the heartache being ripped off being played by everyone even though you're a dirtbag scumbag con artist like he kind of had a heart but a year later he's been redeemed yeah exactly that's what i mean yeah he he has eventually had these moments with the cashier where he keeps doing his shopping yeah yeah yeah. and he ends up just coming home and she's there like helping prepare dinner for them and she's pregnant yeah it's just like well he's now actually going to be He's
1: also selling carpets, isn't he? He's just he got is. himself a normal job and he he gets told by a, a work colleague that, you know, he's got two live ones that have come in onto the floor and I didn't notice it at first. I thought it was Shelton Copley but Gary tells me it's the stoner from uh, Cabin in the Woods and I was just like, oh, and he's, he's looking for this carpet for a really small apartment and I thought it was another con. Like, I thought
0: yeah. Roy was yeah. spotting
1: a con artist thinking I can smell my own and then Angela comes walking down, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs>
0: it's a bit of a transformation.
1: Transformation, there, girl. Um, and the two of them, like, it's really well played
0: out. That there's no real confrontation. No, you know, not until they uh, she fakes a story about losing her. Yeah, money yeah and he they send him off so that these two can sort of reconcile reconcile yeah, yeah. well like he, he doesn't shout at her he doesn't scream at her he like he doesn't make it <laughs> awkward he he's kind of impressed that she pulled it off in some he, regard yeah yeah <laughs> like he still kind of in a way believes her as
1: the daughter. like they well, had a moment you know? she says
0: goodbye dad at the end she does you know so yeah. it's kind of like they they really uh-huh. enjoyed their time together despite yeah. it being a lie but she makes out
1: as well that she got screwed out of the her cut by Frank. Well, we'll have to you know, that. and I'm like, well, yeah, obviously <laughs> and, and Frank's, you know, pissed to the wind or whatever. He could be could have been dead, you know, whatever. Um but she she's happy. I'm happy. You know, Roy's mm-hmm. happy, I suppose. And like you said, yeah, he goes home to his wife, he walks in. Like I really like that when he got to the door and I'm like, She's gonna be there, isn't it? This cashier, we'd seen her. Yeah, wasn't it was just in and there enough to go? Yeah, yeah, I know what's gonna happen, and then he walks in and he goes down and kisses the belly, and I was
0: like, yeah, thank you, movie. Yeah, it needed that nice send off. It did. William, what were your favorite scenes from? the film oh man i really really liked all of
1: the stuff at home with nicholas cage like the carpet stuff you know don't when when sam rockwell walked in he was just eating on the carpet i was like get him the <laughs> out of here man you know and he's breathing into the bag and was he told him to wipe the phone and yeah. he used it he wipes it in his ass and then he throws up into the bag that was I noticed some continuity in the car when he first went to meet Angela as oh. well. There's a, there was a moment where uh, obviously he'd been chain smoking all the way, and there was a point where his cigarette was like really small, and then he sees Angela, and, in the, and then the shot that follows, it's really long again because I reckon probably it burnt too little, a, so they yeah. had to replace it quickly, and now <laughs> the cigarette is obviously at great length. You've got to spot these things, man.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, man, I love the, um, the bit in the pharmacy where um, Roy's been obviously been taking these pills. Uh, throughout the movie to replace the ones that he lost to obviously medicate his, his neurosis which actually you realise halfway through the movie is actually all in his head you know from like c- those pink pills before were they put there by Frank to make him like that mm-hmm. you know and and he and he accidentally lost them and now Frank knows to obviously put all these other things in place so when he goes to the psychiatrist he realises well he gets pills from the psychiatrist goes to the pharmacy, gets told in the pharmacist that they're menopause supplements. Right. Um, but he's in the queue and he's running around like twitching like fuck. <laughs> and uh, this guy in the queue says, hey buddy, do you only you realise there's a queue and Nicolas Cage goes, hey buddy, you don't want to go out to the sidewalk and get punched and you pissed blood? I was like, whoa.
0: <laughs> Classic Nick Cage. outburst I know, but th- this is an emergency. Hey buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, hey. have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and be told you pissed
1: blood? Um, like like I said, some of the moments where it's just father and daughter, you know, going to get food, playing bowling, you know, just, it, it was just really nice, Though those moments. I, I suppose all the scenes with Sam Rockwell as well, the
0: fucking coolest ass motherfucker. Yours? <laughs> yeah, you've literally, <laughs> literally just <laughs> named off my favourite scenes too from... Sam Rockwell wiping the phone all over his body, just, like, getting a reaction. Yeah, you you get it. Like, the extreme close-ups of the crumbs on the yeah. floor. Like, because we'd already had the moment where he was pacing back and forth on the carpet. Yeah. And he sees that there. Or when he's at the psychiatrist and he's talking uh, about his daughter. But he, <laughs> he can see he the stains on the floor. Just, like, those moments. Uh, yeah, they... Uh, they 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 were really funny. Yeah, the, the dark comedy in this was really good because even like I said, even though we care for him, we do kind of laugh at his eccentricities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and Sam Rockwell is just the perfect antagonist for him. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. really is. Uh, the moment where Angela says she's um uh, gonna stay till Monday. Yeah, and it literally just hard cuts to Roy at the psychiatrist <laughs> saying till Monday she's gonna be here. Oh my god, four days with a teenage girl. I don't know what to do. I yeah. was like, yeah, the comedic timing of the edit really really worked. Uh, the spaghetti turning into pizza again, that that bonding scene. I, yeah. I really liked that moment. It was really sweet. Uh, again, there was like some music by Frank Sinatra, yeah. some really good classical music that montaging some of these scenes together. So it really is like very digestible. You know, the film is it's not complicated. Yeah. It just eases you in with the emotions of the songs and the visuals and it, and it works. The entire um laundry lottery con job sequence worked really really well again yeah. father daughter bonding over over this and again the twist where he's just like this is wrong take take it take back take your money back yeah yeah great great moment great dialogue great great script the airport botch job from the moment he walks in and all oh, my back and all oh, that the wrong seats and yeah. the trade off and looking at the money like who goes first ladies first but, <laughs> yeah. like and the whole, the way the whole sequence plays out from them having to run away from him in the car chasing away trying to you know get the lady to give the right change to yeah. just get out in time <laughs> and you're kind of rooting for them to get away with this well there thir- on your mind excuse yeah. me <laughs> yeah great great moment and then the probably the the real realization when he's gone to talk to his ex-wife and he just just starts laughing <laughs> yeah. and of course the sequence in the pharmacy that whole sequence where he just finds out that the drug he's taking is not doing anything it's yeah, all in his placebo, mind a placebo yeah. and yeah his his outburst have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and be until you pissed blood <laughs> ian do you recommend a Men*? i do um
1: i i Even though I kind of guessed what was going on halfway through the movie, I kind of had to see it all the way to the end. You know, I was sat there going, fuck you, Sam Rockwell. And that's one reason to watch this movie. Second reason as well, fucking Nicolas Cage is just great. The two of them, they have this weird friendship where you just, you really don't want to like them. But as the movie unfolds, you can't help but like them be assholes or over the top or eccentric or whatever you want to say. Like, it's a rare... Ridley Scott movie I know he's not had some great hits in some genres but this is a rare one for him in the thriller kind of black
0: comedy con man drama (laughs) I'm definitely recommending Matchstick Men this was a fantastic heist movie, with a focus on the relationships of the characters backed up with some great performances. It's one of those Nicolas Cage films where he's able to showcase his acting strengths, highlight his quirks and ticks, but under the watchful eye of Ridley Scott, Cage is controlled and nuanced, yet bursting with energy. Sam Rockwell was simply awesome at being likeable, yet a total asshat, while Alison Lohman just smashed it out of the park. Great performance, packed with emotion and innocence, and it was pivotal to the story. The script was excellent. Ridley, a technical and visual artist, yep. created some great edits, camera angles to get you in the mindset of the characters with quick edits and wipes. It reminds you it's a film or a story, but it doesn't detract at all. It engages you into the next scene with its unpredictability. The film has some good songs by Frank Sinatra and a compelling soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. I was really pleasantly surprised by just how much I enjoyed this film and I think it will have great rewatchability and, and I highly recommend it as it seems to have been a film that got lost in the shuffle or not enough people have heard of it. And if you're a fan of Nick Cage I think this is a must watch. Lie, cheat, steal, rinse and repeat. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews.
1: Beneath a blue
0: umbrella sky. Blue... Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten until you pissed blind?